Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. Good morning, good morning. Man, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Come on, man. I am fired up. The Lord is so good. Man, I, you know, this is like one of the, my favorite Sundays in all Sundays that we have is that we get to hear from people here in this congregation about what God is doing in their life. And, you know, it, it's funny because you don't see that in a lot of churches where they have, where they do that on a Sunday morning, you know. And, and we, I feel like, you know, that's something missing in the church. There is, uh, I, I went to Africa a couple years ago and I was there with, uh, um, s- s- we were in a remote area and we were in a village church and um, you know, so I have my idea about what church is, and so we, we come into the place, and it's like a shack, straw, you know, ceiling, and really no sides on the walls and stuff, and so we come into that place, and we sit down, and they wanted me to do a couple worship songs, so, um, you know, I did that, and I thought, oh, well, then, you know, then what's going to happen? I wasn't sure what the order of the service was, and it was amazing to me, like, God transformed me just in watching the people, because, uh, at their worship service, somebody popped up out of the, out of the um, you know, just in the, in the seats there and started to sing a song. Then somebody else sang another song. And I'm like, what is going on here? And then, uh, and then you know, they, they went into a time of sharing where people would just pop up and share about what God was doing in their life. They had a, a special time for that. And then uh, the Word of God came forward and, and it, it was taught, and then they got, af- right after that, they got together and they ate some food. And I thought, man, I think this is what church is supposed to be like. I don't think it is a, um, supposed to be a spectator thing. It's supposed to be a participatory thing. We're coming to worship the God of heaven. And uh, so what, what after my experience there in Africa, I asked the Lord, like, how can we bring that into our culture? It's different. That's fine. Um, but how can we change what we're doing and so one of the things that the Lord shared with me was to allow people the opportunity after every time we close a book of the Bible we, we teach verse by verse through the Bible and uh, we just closed up Second Timothy so after after we close up a book we give people an opportunity to come up and share how is God transforming your life through the Word of God I mean if we're not changing something's wrong if God isn't stirring us to become more like Christ through the teaching of his word, you know, on a weekly basis, something is wrong. And so, you know, it it really is an opportunity for you to, uh, you know, apply the things that you learn, not only that, but also to share. It is so encouraging to hear what God's doing in people's lives. And, and I'm, I'm really excited about that this morning that we are uh, going to, to do that. Um, You know, uh, this is also a very special Sunday service because we also are going to partake of communion here in a little bit, uh, which is an awesome thing as well. And then we're also going to do a baptism here. Not only that, but then we're going to have a fellowship meal afterwards. So, wow, you can stay here all day, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you go to other countries, that's, how, that's really how they do church on Sunday. You know, they all get together and hang out all day. But we won't do that. We know that you got other things you can do, but we're going to do our best to glorify the king of glory here in this place. And um, so, uh, you know, it, it's not a normal service. If you're a guest with us, you know, we don't do this every Sunday. This is a special Sunday. Uh, we're teaching through the word of God on a verse-by-verse basis. Um, and so, you know, uh, we're going to give people an opportunity now to come forward and just share a little bit about what the Lord's doing in their lives. But before we do that, will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you, Lord, for just your glory, for who you are. You are the majesty on high, Lord. There is no one like you in all the earth. Father, we can't even grasp the greatness of who you are. You are so magnificent, so awesome. God, that we, it would be appropriate for all of us in this place to just fall down on our faces and bowing before you. Because you are so good and so glorious. And although we won't physically do that this morning, maybe maybe someone will, but Lord, we want to do that with our hearts right now. 
We want to bow before the King of glory. We want to give you access to all of us this morning, Lord. Father, will you speak into our lives and will you help us to hear from you through each and every person that we'll share this morning? Will you help us, Lord, to to see your glory through these people? And will you change and transform our lives? We don't want to be the same people we came in here as, Lord. We want to change. We thank you that your spirit is in this place this morning, Lord. We thank you that you are present here. You are inhabiting the praises of your people, Lord. And so we just, we just ask you to come now and speak to our hearts and just have your way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the first person we're going to have share with us this morning is Ms. Susan McKnight. So where is Susan at? There you go. You can stand right there. and. Can you hear me? Okay. Well, listen, I'm here today standing with the peace of God because this is the last place I want to be. <laughs> I don't like doing this, and I've been... In my mind, I think I look ridiculous and sound even more stupid, you know, because that's a lie of the enemy, and he will do that to you. I'm just like all of you. I'm an everyday person. I walk in this world that's broken and lost. I didn't have a good start out in life. I was not raised in a Christian family, very dysfunctional. And I, have, I was a good sinner. <laughs> if you want to know about sin and some of the things I've gone through and things that God walked through, me in my life, I'll be happy to share any time one-on-one. But today, that's not who I am. Today, I am a new creation in God because he literally brought me here from Missouri, St. Joseph, Missouri, seven years, it was seven, eight years, it was in 2013. And um, I was a mess, and I had been a mess, and I thought I was Christian, but, you know, looking back, God brought me through all this, these things, and I learned and grew through my mistakes, and I still am today. Imagine that. I still make mistakes all the time, but I was supposed to tell you all through the, after the first book of Timothy some of the things that Paul was talking about. You know, he was in a prison. We are in a prison, too, in a way, because we live in a world that's overpopulated, broken, and lost. And so we, as Christians, have to represent him. Okay, I put shirts on like this all the time. But it's not to tell the world, look, i got shirts, I'm a Christian. It's for me. It's a reminder that if I'm going to wear something that says, with God all things are possible, I better be looking like somebody that God, I'm representing the king of the world. I mean, you know, the king of kings and lord of lords. And so it's for me I do that because on a daily basis, I walk in the world, and I see the broken and lost. Here recently, the God, God opened the door for me to get a job full-time. I need the money to get some stuff um, just, um, taken care of that I let get away from me through COVID and through hard times that we've all experienced. And so he did, and so I am driving a scats van. It's a nine-foot-tall van, and I can get three or four people, and I put wheelchairs on. So I go out early in the morning, sometimes 4 o'clock in the morning, and I meet people. They're sick. They don't feel good a lot of times. And so I try real hard, and I ask God every day, please, Lord, put a shield of protection around me, this van and the people that get on and off of it. Believe me, if you drive all day, you're going to see some crazy stuff. And I'm putting people in danger. But with God, I don't have to worry about that. Okay? He gives me the courage and the, what I need to do every day. Smile, a touch, just listen. Because we get people that are lonely and they don't have anybody to talk to. So here I am. And, and so, you know, it is blessing to God and it is time of my ministry because when you walk out your door you're in ministry it's the people around you the gift of friendship oh gosh that's such a blessing to have people like you and when they took my, my family moved to Florida that just about killed me because <laughs> I came here to be with them and not to take anything away from them because I miss them and I love them but guess what you are my family 
and you love me just like they do, and I love you too. And that is the reason the book of Timothy, all the books of the Bible, and Timothy, I mean, Paul exhorting us, we got to be there for each other. We got to be the Pauls to one another. And we have to share and tell everybody what's going on right now. You know, we got artists, we've got musicians, we got all kinds of people that do all kinds of things, but we're all the same. And so I just want to tell you, I love you all, and I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the peace and able, ability to do this. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Hey, so um, we won't tell your boss that you put people in danger. We won't tell them. <laughs> just cut that out of the video, if you would, please. All right, Carol, Carol Gray is going to come up and share with us next. Thank you so much, Susan. That was awesome. Thank you. Well, first I have to apologize I, for reading this testimony. I do not do well in front of crowds re, um, presenting. So to keep me focused, you will hopefully be somewhat in interested. But my husband, Chuck, wrote this so I could read it. <laughs> so um, Chuck and I moved from Florida to Columbia last September to be near our son and his four sons and to support him where we could. He was presented with a surprise divorce last year and is now co-parenting his sons with his ex-wife. This, uh, the past Resurrection Day, we decided to have dinner at our house. We don't normally have them on Sundays or see them, so, and we had a big Easter egg hunt. I felt convicted to present the Resurrection and crucifixion story to the boys. The boys are Jack, 14, age 14, Charlie, age 12, Benj, age 8, and Bear, yes, they named him Bear, age 5. My son and his ex have been hurt by several churches, ministries, and Christians, and had opted out of regular church attendance. And therefore, the boys had been to Sunday school very little, and the two little boys never. My plan to present the scripture using an educational device called Resurrection Eggs, which I bought at Hobby Lobby, looks like this. I'm sure some of you have seen it. Um, and all I had to do, all I had to do was read the story from the little book. One side Spanish and one side's English. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't read the Spanish. <laughs> anyway, um, and to and all I had to do was read the story from the book where it instructs to open up each egg right from the carton. And it starts with this blue egg. And it, came, and it contains a miniature depicting the part of the story. I did so, and opening the specified egg, showing that was what was contained in the egg, uh, and read each page of the story. The pages and pieces depict 12 different parts of the story. I won't open up each egg, but it starts with Jesus riding on the donkey on Palm Sunday. Here is the little donkey. This is the first one. It's really cute. I did. I did opening the specified egg, showing what was contained in the egg, and read each page of the book. The pages and pieces depicted 12 different parts of the whole story. And I won't open each egg, be but it starts with Jesus riding on the donkey on Palm Sunday. And... He was on that little donkey. Then it goes to the silver coins, a cup, praying hands, a whip, a rooster, 
a crown of thorns, a set of large spikes, a spear, a loincloth, and a, and a large sto stone. And finally, the white egg, which, <laughs> which is empty. Hallelujah. It is empty. Hallelujah. After I read the last page of the book, I anxiously waited, and to my wonderment, and all the boys seemed excited, and we talked about it for some time afterward, even my son. Then again, to my amazement, Charlie, the 12-year-old, stated that his soccer coach in Spring Hill leads a their team in a Bible study every Wednesday after practice. When Pastor was teaching on 2 Timothy and our scripture one Sunday included 2 Timothy 4, 2, I realized that this was exactly what, what I was doing. The verse read, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. I preached the word in season. It was Resurrection Sunday. And out of season, my grandsons are basically unchurched, and I did not know how they would respond. I was obedient, and the truth was proclaimed and received. Thank you. Thank you so much, Carol. That's uh, an amazing story. You know, it's funny how, uh, Carol, did you know that your grandkids, that, that your older, oldest grandchild was, uh, was at, on, on the soccer team, that he was doing that Bible study? Yeah. 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 Isn't that awesome how God just, you know, God will insert himself in our life is the point. You know, you think, like, God, how are you going to rescue this person? Trust me. He knows what he's doing. He's really good at that. He's in the business of reconciliation, so he knows exactly what he's doing. All right, next up, we're going to have uh, Jordan Thacker come up. She's going to share a little bit with us. Jordan, come on up. Hi, everyone. Um, so have you guys ever been in church and Pastor Tim is talking about exactly the thing that's going on in your life? Uh, so this happened to me a couple weeks ago, and it was actually, this is actually a perfect follow-up for what we just heard because it was actually about uh, 2 Timothy 4.2, to preach the word. And, um, you know, we're, all, we're taught, you know, to know Christ and make Christ known, to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. And... Um, the week that we went over this, I just so happened to come in contact with someone who was unsure about their faith and a little bit, um, I guess, on the fence, you can say, about what to think and what to believe and stuff like this. And God was like, okay, uh, here's the perfect opportunity. I want you to witness. And when you talk about it, you know, you're like, okay, I can witness. That's really easy. You just, you know, yeah, God loves you. He sent his son to die for us, you know. And then in the actual moment, all these like fears and doubts start creeping in. You're like, oh my gosh, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I accidentally lead them astray? What if I don't know what to say? Or I screw up a verse or anything along these lines. Always, they just kept popping into my head as I was talking to this person. And in that moment, I started to pray. I'm like, okay, this is not about me. This is about, this is God using me as a vessel. That is we are, it's not about what we're doing, it's about what God is doing. And so, <clears throat> in that, I just felt this, this peace come over me because God told me exactly what to say. I didn't have to worry about whether or not I knew the Bible inside and out, or whether or not I was going to accidentally, you know, like I said, lead them astray or anything, because God gave me exactly what to say, and I didn't have to worry. I just felt this piece because it was like I wasn't even talking. It was God talking through me. And that was such, um, 
an amazing experience, I think, and I just wanted to come up here and encourage all of you that if you're afraid or if you're just uncertain about whether or not you can witness, you can, because God can use everyone and even to people who you think, you know, you may never know, to be ready in season and out of season because you may never know who's going to come across your life and just pop up and like, God has you exactly where you need to be to do exactly what he's called you to do. It's awesome to hear that, Jordan, because a lot of times we're timid and we don't know what we're going to do, but you know what? God always shows up. And uh, if we think we can do it without the Holy Spirit, we're totally missing the point. So, you know, it's leaning on the Spirit of God. All right, next up, we're going to have Zach Puckett come up and share with us. more comfortable on stage but I'm gonna go in that room and talk so if you don't see me that's okay um, so I'm Zach if you don't know me not that big of a deal but um, what is a big deal is I'm having a baby in July and um, my wife Kate is sitting over there and her lovely mother as well um, so a lot of things have happened in the past two years or so and I, they finally come together when Second uh, Timothy was presented by Pastor Tim. Um, I've been a real follower of Jesus since I was eight, but it's obviously you don't really know what that means until you mature and get older. But um, so I grew up in church, but really have not had a moment where God just like you need to start sharing Jesus with people until. I mean, I've had them off and on, but the biggest one has, has happened within the past, like, two months, probably, um, of how important it is. A lot of it is seeing what's going on around us outside of the body of Christ. It's like the opposite. And it always it has been the opposite, but it's so noticeable now. Um, so it's a common theme today, I believe, um, being a missionary for Jesus everywhere you are. Um, so they... The first three people talked about verse 2 in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. I'm going to go 3, 4, and 5. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, to do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So I have a new ministry coming up in two months, which will be my little baby. And the biggest thing that's hit me is like, how can I expect my daughter to want to go out and share the gospel with people boldly if I'm not doing it? So the, I've been convicted by numerous people not even knowing it, that I've presented, I've been presented opportunities to share with them, and I'm nervous, like Jordan said. But why? Why are we nervous? If God's telling you to share, don't be scared. There's a reason He's telling you to share, because He's got you right there, got you in that in that moment, and He is going to be the one sharing, not you. So we can't be selfish like that. Don't think narrow-minded, which we often do. So. Within the past two months, I've had a lot of people from work, conversations have come up. And a lot of times I would just kind of say a sentence and move on. But I've actually been able to dig deep with people about why they don't believe in God even, but not much less have faith in Jesus. So that's been a blessing because they start have asking me questions now about that. So I've been able to have opportunities to share This tub right here is the most important thing that we need to be seeing, and that's people being dunked in that thing. It doesn't save you, but it shows you that they're saved. So we need to be seeing this every week. And if we don't, we're not doing our, our job as, as Christians. So I want to encourage you all and myself to be bold, 
because we have a lot of things to be bold for. He didn't look nervous, did he? Looks like he's a natural. You should probably take this up, bro. Hey, so uh, um, next up, we have a, a, a very good friend of mine and somebody who I have really longed to see step into this place right here to share with you because he is such a unique character, and uh, he, he's uh, like a brother from another mother for me. And so, uh, and, and he's directly from Friesland uh, over in Europe, so we're going uh, to bring up Mr. Marty Vierhoff. So, doesn't he look European? I mean, come on. Love you too, brother. You know, the real truth is this. He's very nervous right now, so let's say in our heart a prayer for him. Because <laughs> as soon as you give me a microphone, I worked at a radio station. <laughs> you know, that's dangerous, right? And um, sometimes, because he knows me a little bit better, I say certain things, and I'm so weird and so strange that he's like, oh, Marty, oh, what do you say now? Oh, please, right? And not because I, I want to hurt people or say certain things that, you know, to rile things up, but I'm just, I'm just weird, strange in people's eyes and, you know, and uncommon, like, and that you come from a different country, that doesn't help either. I mean, a lot of times people don't even understand me what I'm all saying, and I just gave up on that in explaining. I just said, if God wants you to hear it, you will hear it, right? <laughs> That's how simple it is. But um, yeah, so I'm, I'm Marty. I'm coming from Friesland. And um, I'm strange and weird. Just let me say that. And because I'm Friesland, I'm in a lot of people's eyes already weird anyway. But that's OK. And uh, I came here to the United States. I came already uh, many times to the United States for uh, my company. and. Um, traveled back and forward. Uh, Friesland is, by the way, in Europe. It's it's a part of the Kingdom of the Netherlands, but it's a country in a country, sort of, kind of like Scotland and England. And I see there a teacher shaking his head. I have for three days straight been talking about Friesland because a lot of people do not know it. But a lot of people know the Kingdom of the Netherlands from Holland, from the cheeses and the windmills and we call that the city people. We are from Friesland. We're different. We have our own language, our own flag, and we're rednecks, kind of like, like a lot of people here in Tennessee. And you know us because the big black and white cows, the Holstein cows, the milkers, they're coming from Friesland, the big black Friesian horses, and I come from Friesland. So because I'm, I, I came here and I met my wife here, uh, we got married, and um, God came on a known way in my life. I was raised as a Christian. I thought that, you know, I could make tons of money and lying at people and doing all kind of other bad stuff, really bad stuff, that I still was a Christian, till God put it on my heart. And really, as I sometimes say to Pastor Tim and my friends, like, because I'm a redneck, smack me straight, uh, till God put me in, in my place, and I just understood that being a Christian is a choice. A choice to live it, a choice to put it in your heart, and a choice to put everything overboard, what I believed in, and just hear God, what He believes, and what, what He believes is good for my life, what His will is. And, um, but you know, the fact is I'm Friesian and I'm still strange, and that will not, that will not change. <laughs> so then I came in the United States, and I got even more confused. I got so confused because my son goes to, to a school and uh, he came back with, with uh, history books and uh, with language books and I was looking into the language. I mean, we, we have language, we have English in, in uh, the country where, where I grew up, but it's a kind of more British English than it is American English. And then you read the books and you say, okay, you, you love your car, you love your mom, you love the Lord. It's all just one word, and that is sometimes confusing if you're not from here. Um, I, I read that uh, you guys, and I'm sorry, uh, you guys believe that uh, Columbus discovered America, right? Raise your hand if you believe that Columbus discovered America. Oh, that is surprising. There are only a couple of hands. Well, we, 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 we got teach that it's the Vikings, right? So... I just need to have your help for, for being a good person here uh, in this world. 
And that is also with trying to live my life as much as Christ-like. And, um, and, and I got one more other question. Do you guys really believe, because even that is a little bit different in where I grew up, and I'll explain you in a little bit why, do you guys really believe that the Bible is really true and that every word that's written in there is inspired by God? Do you guys believe that? <laughs> All right, that is great because now I see many hands. So if we believe that, then I struggle for a long time, and I'm still a little bit in, I'm getting out of that. I struggle then with things I read in there. Because if the Bible is really, really, really true, right, then I have to believe that. I have to have trust in God that what is written in there, that that is true. So when Jesus says to us, like, sell everything you have and give alms, alms, that means I guess we have to sell everything we have and give alms, right? And... Wow, that's, that's a kind of awkward because I, we have a farm and got a couple of cars and um, we have insurance and some money in the bank account and you really want me to sell all that, God? Well, yeah, if I believe Jesus and I believe he is true and I believe that he died on the cross for me, I mean, that's faith, right? That we really, truly believe that he took away our sins probably for sure should believe that we have to sell everything. But you know what? I discovered that living my life with Jesus is a road what improves itself over time with sometimes one step backwards and two step forwards. And that we learn, right, over time. We're all in a different season. If you just got to know Lord Jesus, then the things you read in the Bible or the things you hear or want to hear, they're different than when you're with the Lord for maybe 60 or 70 years. And that's the great thing from the Bible. Like if every single time when you read a little bit in it, when you study it, when you pray and ask God for giving some explanation and knowledge about what you read, when you seek Him, it can mean something different. But one thing stays the same. That Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And that our faith and our trust in God comes with what we feel inside. And we a lot of times know more, and we're asking for more, we're praying for more, than we actually have to, because we already have it, right? We already know it. Sometimes God put a little voice in our heart. I think it's the Holy Spirit. But sometimes God put a little voice in our heart. From, that is right, or that is wrong. I want to beat up my neighbor. I kind of know that is wrong, right? doesn't matter what I do, but that's wrong. You know, that's from God. He tells me that. I have a great son I'm working with on the land all the time. And um, the other day, actually it was yesterday, he decided because he was thirsty that he was drinking out of the creek. And I thought, whoa, son, I mean, I don't know about that. You've seen too much shows, right? Like, survival and all the stuff. I said, didn't you really thought it was good to do that? Wasn't there a little voice in your head that said it's wrong? He said, yeah, I, th I thought it was wrong, but I was thirsty. He will be fine. It's all good. But we know. <laughs> we know. Right? So when we read in the Bible that God tells us to sell everything we have, and no worries, because there are a lot of verses in the Bible who makes us comfortable that we don't have to sell everything, right? That we also can sell a part. But if, if we read that, if God puts it on our heart, we better listen. When Pastor Tim said, Marty, we have Share Sunday, um, here is your chance. And that is actually that was because when we talk, I always tell him, like, Pastor Tim, I mean, are you not tired in every Sunday preaching the same thing over and over again? Because it's the red line. Jesus saved you. Go out in the world, proclaim the gospel, and do God's work, right? Like Timothy said, like, I believe it was Timothy 3, 17. Everything you read in the Bible 
is good for the knowledge of good work and doing good work. And he says, Marty, I just preach what God wants me to preach. And I go preach. And I, I'm going first by first through the Bible. And he puts it on my heart. And I was like, man, Pastor Tim, you want them all to be going out and be doers, right? I mean, if you're being a Christian, if you accept Jesus Christ, right, it's like you get a smack in your face and you say, ow, right? That's kind of how it is. If you, if you really get saved and God puts it on your heart, you become a doer. And I was telling him, I said, man, put a hammer down. Just put a hammer. Tell them, if you don't go out in the world and spread the gospel, I already changed a little bit, so I'm saying it carefully. You might be looking in the mirror and you might be not saved or being really saved. And I thought I saw no one doing anything. I thought, like, I was the only one who was living on, on the street with the homeless, you know, spreading the gospel and um, for the wrong reasons, by the way, not because of drugs or alcohol or whatever, but I was mad on the world because I wasn't comfortable in it. And I thought I was the only one. I mean, I'm selfish, I'm righteous, and, you know, I'm full of myself. Right? And then people like Susan and Jordan and Zach come up here, and you really open your eyes, and then God shows you that he is working everywhere. I am totally wrong, and I'm sorry for that. But I do want to ask you and encourage you that every single possibility you have to let God be at the front of your mouth and at the front of your work in just little things or big things, if it is here in the United States or it is somewhere else in the world, let's do it for him. Because it is so awesome to see that we do something what is weird in the eyes of the world, right? Why would you sell everything you have? Well, God told me to. Really? Yeah, really. Well, you might want to make people think. We trust God, right? We trust him in everything we do. We don't have to be afraid for, and I'm probably talking to myself right now, we don't have to be afraid for nothing, even when it costs our lives, or even probably worse, even when it costs the lives of our children, right? If I go, and God's willing, that will happen soon, if I go to Africa and my family follows me, and something happens with my child, then it's like, oh, that's painful. But you know what? God is in control no matter what. So whatever I wanted to tell you here, whatever I had in mind to put that hammer down, God took it away. Because <laughs> I have seen and I have heard awesome things. And I want to thank you guys that you all are having the Lord at the front of your lives that you seek him, and that we're not just only believers in word and in our hearts, but we go out and we're being doers. Praise to God, right? Well, well, well. <laughs> the Vikings? goes to show you that uh, everything you read isn't true, right? <laughs> Except for the Bible. So uh, um, we have one other person that's going to share, and this is really super special because we don't usually have um, people of his stature come up and share, but we're going to have Boyd Vierhoff come up and share with us. And uh, he's in our youth group, and, um, and God has just put it on his heart to come share with us today about what he's doing in Boyd's life. So will you welcome him with me? Hi everyone, my name is Boyd, and uh, I would like to share with you what I've learned in 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, one verse that I really thought was great and uh, really showed me what God was doing was Tem 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. When I first heard this verse, I thought of all the times I talked to God, good and bad, and then from that day on, I thought every time I had a decision to make, I should ask God. And after I heard Pastor Tim preach that sermon, I started thinking what to say in season when the time is good and everything around me is good and going my way. 
and out of season when the timing is bad and nothing is going my way. This verse gave me motivation and ambition to do better for the Lord. Verses like this I love because I understand Jesus better and it makes me love him more. This verse taught me to always have my thoughts and words and actions for God, and I should always be ready to share the word to anyone God tells me to. And as I've learned this week in youth group, when you become a Christian, God does not expect you to become sinless, but sinless. And I feel this verse has helped me to do that. Thank you. Thank you, Boyd. Man, if that doesn't take some courage, I'll tell you what, but that's what it's all about is uh, standing for the Lord and, and doing what he tells you to do even when you don't feel comfortable doing it. And I can tell you that for me, I, that's, you know, there, I do a lot of things that I don't feel comfortable doing, but I do them because I believe the Lord has put it on my heart to do them. And, uh, you know, God, what I know about God is that um, he doesn't want me comfortable within my own little world. He wants me comfortable in his hand. And oftentimes that makes me uncomfortable. But he, he really wants to stretch us and challenge us um, because he's preparing us for heaven. And uh, I think Second Timothy, uh, thinking about the whole context of the book and that Paul was writing the very last words that he would write and knowing that he was about ready to transition into heaven, um, the whole, whole idea was legacy. And which made me think a lot about what about my legacy? What legacy am I leading? I mean, it's great that my kids see me stand up here in the pulpit and, and, and give messages, but, um, you know, honestly, how is that changing their life? And, uh, um, you know, so just taking, it, it's not necessarily doing more ministry, but it's doing the right ministry. And for me, that means, you know, I have a ministry here, but I also have a ministry at home. And I think Zach hit the nail on the head when he's talking about, you know, the ministry to my children and the ministry to my wife and uh, the ministry to my inner circle that I have around me and, and how important that is. Because at the end of the day, when I breathe my last breath, it will be those people who stand and tell the story about who I really am. You know, you may see me in one way, but they see me in, in reality of totally who I am, which isn't a great picture sometimes. But... The reality is I need, you know, I need to be thinking about the legacy that I want to leave. And like for me, that really hit home for me in, in teaching through Second uh, Timothy is passing that baton down to my children and to my wife and to those around me that, you know, hey, I'm not going to be here forever. The Bible says life is a vapor. You know, so I want to do my best with the, the vapor that I have. Um, to, to do that. It was interesting. Last night we had a, a Mule Town Ladies Worship Night here, and uh, it was awesome, by the way. It was really, really spirit-led, and um, multiple churches came in, and they did a, 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 a just a worship night. They, uh, a la the lady, one of the ladies shared a message, and it was, it was so cool because she started out the message talking about the dash in between your birth date and your and your death date. And do you know that's how I started out this sermon series? Was talking about in the dash. We're living in the dash right now. If you're alive, you're living in the dash. What will that dash represent one day? And then she went on, like literally two minutes later, to quote a, a quote that I quote all the time that is probably one of my all-time favorite quotes because it's so impactful. And it's this. Because only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done uh, for Christ will last, C.T. Studd. And I, I sat back there, I just start crying because I'm thinking, Lord, it's like you're saying the same thing through all these people. You're saying the same message. Christians, wake up. Go out and live your life for Christ. It doesn't matter uh, what you have in your bank account. It doesn't matter what kind of assets you have. Uh, you want to be responsible and whatever. You take care of your family and all those kinds of things. But you know what? At the end of the day, you're not going to stand before the Lord and him say, man, you have a great 401k portfolio. He's going to say, what did you do with my son? You know, and that's, that should scare us a little bit. What did you do with my son? My son that was crucified, 
and rose again from the dead for you. What did you do with that? After you received the redemption that he died to give you, what did you do with it? And uh, I want to uh, stand before the Lord one day and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. I want to hear that. And so right now, as we live in the dash, that's our opportunity. Um, we're going to partake of communion here today. And par- communion is a, uh, the Lord's Supper, is it, it as well as baptism is for believers in Christ. It's for believers in Christ. And um, it's important that we understand that because you, you need to understand what communion is about. Why we partake of communion. What, what is the reason for it? If I polled you guys today in, this, in the sanctuary here and I said, what, why do you partake of communion? What, what is the purpose? I think, I'd get a, I think I'd get a lot of different answers. But one of the answers that I should get, and, which is a biblical answer, is we do this in remembrance of him. We do this in remembrance of Christ. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me when he instituted the Lord's Supper on that night he was betrayed. He took the bread and he took the cup and he instituted the Lord's Supper, but he, he said, do this in remembrance of me. He wants us to remember him. He wants us to remember what he has done for us. And so he institutes only one of two rites that Christians have. You know, you look at the Old Testament and you see all the typologies of Christ and all the different things that they did to point them to Jesus. And uh, we have two in the New Testament church. One of them is communion. The other is baptism. They both point us to Jesus. They both make a declaration about Jesus. And uh, so that's why it's for believers only because it, w- neither one of these things will save you. Partaking of the bread and drinking of the cup, in fact, that can condemn you if you don't do it correctly. And, and baptism itself doesn't save anyone. It, you know, if you think that you can be dunked in the water and, and that in and of itself is what saves you, you're totally wrong. You know, what saves you is a crucified Savior that rose again, rose again from the dead. That's what saves you, and baptism is that public declaration that you have put your faith in Christ. So we have these two things that uh, we, we actually get to partake of today in, in our gathering here today. Uh, we're going to remember something important about Jesus today when we, take, when we partake of communion, and it is that his body was broken for us. And that his blood was shed for us. You know, uh, Jesus couldn't have become the savior of the world if he didn't live a sinless life. You look at the Old Testament rite of sacrifice in the temple and you see what was the requirement for them to bring uh, that, you know, that sacrifice before the Lord. It was perfection. It was an unblemished lamb. An unblemished lamb. And that unblemished lamb was pointing us to the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He had to live a perfect life. His body had to be perfect in everything that he did, everything he touched, every place his feet went, everything he said, everything he thought had to be perfect. And so we're remembering the body of Christ in the sense of his life that he, whoa, that he... He gave for us. We're remembering him in that sense. But we're also remembering that he shed his blood for us. There can be no forgiveness of sin. We can't, we, our sins can't be forgiven without the, sh- the shedding of blood. You can, your sins are not forgiven. And here's the amazing thing is that in the Old Testament, when we look at the temple sacrifice, the blood came and they poured it on the altar and then they took some of that blood once a year and they took it to the... Um, to the mercy seat and they put that blood on the mercy seat and that that blood that blood covered the sin of the nation right here's what's amazing about that that blood that was put on the mercy seat was pointing us to one day when Jesus himself would sit on the mercy seat that his blood would be dispersed upon the mercy seat that we would obtain mercy from God and it was his blood that that did that. It was pointing us to that moment. Not only uh, did were their their blood, uh, the blood that they used for the sacrifice, only covered sin, but Jesus's blood 
removes your sin completely. He, 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 it, it's just as if you had never sinned. You're justified through the blood of Christ. And so we're going to remember the body of Christ, that it was perfect, that he gave himself over to be broken for us as the unblemished lamb. We'll remember the blood that was shed for us so that our sins could not just be covered but completely removed. We'll remember Jesus in that moment. One of the things that can happen in a moment like this where we do something over and over and over again is it can lose the power. It, you know, when we do things in repetition, oftentimes it loses um, really the power. If we don't really focus on what we're doing. So here's what can happen in communion is that we can focus on the historical act of what Jesus has done. We can think of it in a historical context, and we can think about the date and the time and, 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 and the actions that occurred, but we're not thinking about it in a personal sense, that it was a, a, that he died for your sins personally, that when Jesus went to the cross and he was hung on the cross and then he bled, uh, you know, the blood that he bled, it was for you personally. It, the sins of the whole world, yes, but your sins personally. Think about that this morning when you get the cup. When you, when you think about that, those things, about how Jesus, Jesus knew you at your worst and he loved you just like you were at your best. Jesus' love for you has never changed. He loves you at your worst. I love Romans 5.8. It's one of my favorite verses. You know, uh, it, it's, it's the idea that, that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died. While we were yet in process in the worst moment of your life, and Jesus said, I'll take the price. I'll pay the price. That's a personal thing. Jesus died for you personally, and we need to think about that in a personal context. Not only do we need to remember Jesus and his perfect body and his sacrificial death, but we need to remember that our sins are forgiven. This is a proclamation of victory at the very same time. It's a, it's a, it's a moment of remembrance of what Jesus has done, but it's also you saying something to yourself today that says, you know what, my sins are forgiven. The Bible tells us that if the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. And so, you know, if you're struggling with stuff right now, today is the day. Right now is the moment. You turn those things over to the Lord and you say, you know what, I'm set free because of Jesus Christ. His blood is enough for me. If you're being held down by, by baggage from the past, listen. My Bible says that God cast my sin as far as east from the west. He remembers it no more, so who am I to remember my sin? Who am I to hold on to that stuff and tell God about how, how much of a horrible person is he knows? Trust me. He doesn't need your help. to rem You know what? At the end of the day, he wants you to know this morning, when you think about, Lord, remember that horrible thing that I did? He says, what are you talking about? I don't remember anything about you. You look perfect to me because you look just like my son, Jesus. When you... Uh, when God sees you here in the present as a believer in Christ, your sins, past, present, and future, are totally, completely gone. He sees his son. And he's saying to you this morning, if that is you, he's saying to you this morning, what are you talking about? What are you, what are you holding on to? What are you talking about? I don't remember any of those things. So today to the day that freedom comes in your life, that you can let the bag go because it doesn't belong to you. Jesus already paid for it. If that's you this morning, listen, do not hold on to uh, sin of the past. How is that helping you? It's not helping you. Jesus paid uh, to set you free from it. What it's, what it's doing is hindering you from, from truly becoming who he wants you to be. So right now, we lay that at the altar of God. We say, here's the baggage, Lord. Your son paid the price. I want to be set free this morning. So we are making a proclamation in this place. That Jesus has, has done that for us. And finally, uh, we are uh, doing this in remembrance of him. Listen, and until he comes again. Do you know that this is only temporary? 
Do you know that the institution of the Lord's Supper is only temporary? We're not going to be passing around a bread and a cup in heaven. We're going to be sitting at the table with Jesus. We're coming to the table right now. Listen, we're coming to the table right now. We're coming to the table of God. It's a spiritual table. Listen, one day we will come to a physical table where Jesus is sitting at the head. We won't need to pass a cup. We won't need to pass the bread because he will be there. And we will dine with him. The Bible says this, that Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. And that if you let him in that door, that he'll come and sup with you. That word means dine with you, to have a meal with you. Oftentimes we hear that in an evangelistic sense and it can be used in an evangelistic sense, but I want to tell you that it also applies to you believers. That Jesus, every time we come to the table, he's standing at the door and knocking. He's asking, are you going to let me in to eat with me? Are you going to allow me into this moment? Or are you just going to ritualistically go through it? You have to let him in. You have to let him in this morning. If you're a believer, you have to open the door and say, Jesus, I want to sup with you. I want to dine with you. I want to have that intimate moment with you. To, to eat in that culture, in the Jewish culture, would mean to be super intimate with a person. Jesus wants to be super intimate with you this morning, but you have to let him in. Listen, if you're not a believer here this morning, uh, you have to let him in in a different sense. You have to let him in so that he can forgive your sins, so that you can have that eternal hope that many of us in this room are hoping for, we can't, we long for, we can't wait to see the Lord because we know what it means for us. But for you this morning, it's different. You have to allow him to come into your heart. If you're not really a believer, if you're not, if you're convicted even now and you're thinking like, well, what does he mean not really a believer? I mean, is Jesus running your life or are you running your life? That's what I mean, believer. We're, we're not talking about somebody who is, goes to church and, you know, doesn't really you know, live their life differently. We're talking about a believer, somebody who is in constant mode of trying to fulfill the will of God in their life. That's a believer. That's the kind of believer that the, the Bible says is assured heaven. And that's the kind of believer we're supposed to be. So if you're here this morning and you're, you're like, man, I don't know if I'm that kind of believer, you need to become one today. Because he's standing at the door knocking and he wants to come into you in an intimate sense and he wants to forgive you of your sins. And so what you need to do this morning is simply pray a prayer to the Lord. And it's a prayer of surrender. It's a sincere prayer. It's a prayer that just says, Lord Jesus, I yield my life to you. I know that I'm a sinner, that I have sinned and I, I have been separated from you. But I believe, God, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, so that I could be in right relationship with you. I want to be in that relationship with you now. Will you forgive me my sins? Will you cleanse me? I believe that Jesus died, that he rose again from the dead. You're not believing in yourself. You're believing in Jesus. He died for me. He rose again from the dead for me so that I can be saved. I'm opening the door to you now. And you know what? He comes in. He comes in, and you know what? In that moment, he stays with you forever until you go to be with him. And if that's you this morning, you reach out to him. You tell him when they start to distribute these, 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 the cup and the bread. You, you tell him, Lord, I want to receive you in this morning. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Listen, the words are sort of irrelevant. It's all about the heart, folks. It's all about the heart. He's looking at the sincerity of your heart. Do you really want him this morning? He can, he's, he can be had. He wants you. He gave his life for you. And so we're going to have the fellows come forward. We're going to distribute the, the, um, the bread in the cup this morning, and we're going to partake. But I really want to make this a moment between you and God, just you and God. Who cares who you're with? Or just imagine like you could just isolate yourself. It's just you and him. And you have this cup, which, by the way, you'll take one cup. It's a stack. There On the bottom, there's bread, the bread in one cup. You take and separate the juice from the bread and you have both elements there, you are going to hold these elements, and you're going to thank Jesus for what he's done for you personally. And you're saying, Lord, I'm going to open the door of intimacy for you this morning. I want you to come in. I want, my, my, I want to
to have intimacy with you this morning. So you guys can distribute these and just hold on to them. Worship team, will you come up? First, first Corinthians eleven twenty six. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He's coming, folks. He's coming. And we are holding these cups as this is the assurance that he's coming, that Jesus surely did die, and he surely did rise again from the dead. And he is surely coming back for us. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.